Have you ever wondered if you could make a difference? This podcast brings you inspirational people who are making a tremendous difference. We will also be talking to experts in the field of creating the mindset you need so that nothing holds you back from making your vision a reality right now. Welcome to the Game Changers Podcast. And now, here's your host, Michelle Dutro. Welcome, everybody, to episode number seven of the Game Changer Podcast. This particular episode is going to start off like no other episode I have recorded to date. That's because I am actually re-recording the intro to this episode for two different reasons. One, I realized that there was some key information that was left out that my guest, Elon Arbolita, really wanted to make sure was included. And two, and probably more importantly, when I re-listened to this episode, I, I realized that I actually talk really fast. Not only do I talk really fast just in general conversation, but when I'm really fired up about a topic, holy cow, it is like there is just one long word coming out of me that goes on for about five minutes straight. So I am in advance apologizing for that because there's a whole lot of that that's going on in this episode. I can promise you I am going to work really hard on that going forward. But uh, like I said, for this episode... Oh, you're going to hear me talking. Uh, you're going to hear me talking very fast. So, like I said, apologies in advance for that. Now, to get down to this episode in particular and the other two, episodes five and six, that all are a series, if you will, on mental illness and in particular PTSD. The reason that I chose to focus three episodes on this topic is because it is a very near and dear subject to me being both a military veteran and I was a firefighter, I know what it is to see people who have experienced and witnessed atrocities and things that really no human being should ever have to witness and be a part of, and then struggle with those traumas afterward. And the reality is, this mental illness problem and epidemic that we have in our country that is not getting any better is something that at some point we have to realize as a society, we're going to have to jump in and do something about it. And I know for a fact, if you are listening right now to the Game Changer podcast, it's because you care. It's because you want to make a difference in some way, shape, or form, be that in your neighborhood, even in your own home, globally, whatever that may be, you are here because I know for a fact that making a difference and having a life of significance and contribution matters to you or you wouldn't be listening. So it is you who I am speaking to in this episode about what are we going to do about this problem. The reality is our government is failing. And I know those are harsh words, but the numbers don't lie. When we have lost more veterans to suicide than we have in fighting the war itself, that is unacceptable and appalling. And this problem, not only is it not going away, but it's getting worse. So at some point, we have to stand back and say, what can I do about that? What, how can I contribute in some positive way to a solution than turning the cheek and just assuming that someone else is going to figure it out? Because the reality is, who is that someone else? That someone else has to be us. 
So in the show notes at thegamechangerpodcast.com, you will see links to some organizations that I personally know and know for a fact are some of the best treatments and healing to PTSD that have nothing to do with drugs or medication that you will find, like I said, in the show notes. So if you want to get involved by learning what these techniques are and helping individuals, or even if you know someone who's struggling with PTSD in any way, shape, or form, these two would be some great organizations to send them to. One of which is iRest or Yoga Nidra, which was episode number five, where I interviewed Richard Miller, the founder of that organization. And another one is the Tapping Solution, some very good friends of mine, Nick and Jessica Ortner, who have done a tremendous amount of work in this arena as well. Again, all of these links will be in show notes. So with that as the backdrop to why I have chosen to do this series, and in particular, this exact episode, is because like I said, it's it's simply not something that we can ignore, and it's something that we just can't assume somebody else is gonna come up with a solution or remedy for. So I was honored to have on this particular episode, the producer of a movie called Thank You For Your Service. It's actually a documentary that is getting ready to be released in a premiere on November 13th at Doc NYC. This is actually the largest documentary film festival in the nation. This will be touring around over the next year, as you will hear Elon talk about in this episode. That will be a number of ways that you can get involved or support these efforts. Again, you will hear this coming up in the episode. What I find fascinating about Elon and why I find him to be a complete game changer is the fact that he's a film producer. And further, his background, to give you a little bit about his story, he is the primary producer on all Creative Chaos projects, which include award-winning the award-winning film Casting By and The Best Is Yet to Come. He oversees all creative development, business development, finance, and operations for Creative Chaos. The reason I tell you all of this is because with that as his day job, if you will, he found this particular project to be the most worthy of all of his time. In fact, you will hear him say that in the upcoming interview, that it is the most significant thing he has done to date. It is a personal passion for him. It's not just a job. And it certainly is not about the money. I can assure you that. So I am so excited and happy and honored to be able to talk to him today, to talk about this topic, and to inspire you in some way, shape, or form to get involved with any one of the number of organizations, whether that is becoming a trainer, whether that is donating your time to a nonprofit organization that is devoted to this topic, or whether that is through financial contribution, if you have the means to do so, because there are a lot of organizations that truly only exist by the financial contributions from people like you. So uh, again, I'm going to apologize because there's going to be a lot of fast talking coming your way from me. I really will get better at this. But like I said, this topic means a great deal to me. And I really, really hope that in some way, shape or form, you choose to get involved somehow, some way, because these folks need it. So with that, we're going to jump into this interview where I just asked Elon, how did you get into uh, becoming a movie producer? And here's his answer. Well, it's, it's a very good question because there's no path to becoming a producer. There's really no Hollywood path, so to speak. Everyone comes at it from a different angle. 
Growing up, the only thing I wanted to be was president of the United States. And my dream was to be in politics, and my dream was to be of service. Uh, and it was always my sort of passion to be of service in any way possible. And I had a lot of different jobs in Washington as a young person. And I went to college at Georgetown University specifically to become a politician or a public service advocate of some, in some way. And uh, about halfway through, I decided that there are things that I'm really passionate about and things that I really want to do. But the level of compromise involved, the level of ways that I thought I wanted to, I guess, attenuate my passion and interests, I thought might be better served um, by making films. And I thought that filmmaking could potentially be the outlet for those things that were most important to me beyond being a public servant. And so that's, I, halfway through school, I, I changed my sort of ambitions and never looked back. I graduated school, hopped into a car and drove to Los Angeles. And that was the start of it for me. And how long have you been doing this now? How long have you, has this been your career? Say about 18, 19 years, somewhere around there. And in the 18, 19 years, and uh, this is a story that I want to get into. We, we talked about it briefly before, like I said, before I started this recording. I have to imagine that of everything you've done, this has got to be one of the top, if not the greatest passion projects for you to date. Am I correct in that? Unequivocally, it's the greatest thing I think I've ever done. Uh, and I don't mean the film itself. I mean, taking on this project, experiencing the project, meeting the people, and going on this journey to make the film is the greatest thing I've ever done. The, hopefully, having a good film was the consequence of this incredible adventure. Uh, in making the film, I interviewed over 275 people with my uh, partner and the director of the film, Tom Donahue. Uh, we traveled to 54 cities around the country over a year and a half, almost two years. And then we spent two years editing and making the film. And that process. So, you know, there was a lot of people who ended up and stories, important stories that ended up on the cutting room floor by virtue of time and how to make a strong narrative when you're making a documentary film. So, you know, 1500 hours became 88 minutes. And that process was, was the greatest thing I've ever done. And I can't imagine anything surpassing that. Um, meeting heroes, meeting veterans, meeting, uh, hearing people's stories from all walks of life all over the country was awe-inspiring. I, I, like I said, I am so happy for this conversation, excited to get this word out. In listening to this, I'm realizing not, not everybody has the background that you and I have of even knowing about this film. So I want to give a little bit of backdrop to this documentary. I'm sure that you can gather since we're talking about PTSD and the title of it is Thank You for Your Service, that this is a documentary about the reality around returning veterans and their transition back into uh, what would you would call maybe normal life and the challenges that ensue. That's what I thought anyway when I first saw this film. That's what I thought the film would be about. What was surprising to me, quite honestly, is the directness and the honesty and the interviews of some really pretty high-ranking people in the military that have testified before Congress and in watching their journey over the years of, of the truth around what we're doing, more importantly, what we're not doing. With that, there's a couple of things that I want to give as a, as a, as a background to the, the truth of this epidemic problem that we have for those folks that maybe uh, are not as quite in the know as, as those of us who have spent time in research on PTSD. This, this comes from an article by Eli Clifton, and the title of this is Suicide Rate Surged Among Veterans. One of the quotes here is, the unfortunate truth is that the real challenge begins when we see servicemen and women return home and readjust to day-to-day -day life. 
This is said by Michael McMahon, co-founder of the Congressional Invisible Wounds Caucus. He further says the Department of Defense and the Department of Veteran Affairs must be prepared with the appropriate staff and funding to conduct post-deployment psychological screenings with a mental health professional and all service men and women. Evidently, the paper questionnaires currently in use simply do not suffice. How many more young men and women must die before we provide the necessary mental health care? Understanding that this was written, this was written this year. What is shocking to me is when I went back and read some papers that were written by Mark Russell, Dr. Mark Russell, he is one of the uh, psychiatrists that is featured in there, or psychologist rather, that is featured in this film. The time that he spent in this film and what you were able to capture in this documentary is what moved me. There were a couple of times I had to stop playing this movie and really think about the statements that he was making and the, and the truth of them. And, and the thing that, that gets me is I, I found this article that he was featured in in USA Today. Mind you, this article is from 2007 and we're currently in 2015. This statement is made by Navy Captain Warren Clam, a psychiatrist and senior medical officer for mental health at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego and a member of the Mental Health Task Force. He quotes, this is uh, Navy Captain William Clam. I think if you look at the bigger picture, it's not nearly as much of a concern as it might sound. I think the DOD or Department of Defense is very sensitive to the issue and is trying to work very hard at it. This is in 2007 and clearly in 2015, we are so much worse than we even were back then. According to Mark Russell, what his statement is, many of the mental health professionals on staff lack formal training in core therapies for post-traumatic stress syndrome. Russell predicts a perfect storm of dire health consequences. Again, that is in 2007, and he was absolutely right. Here we are in 2015, and I urge you by the end of this conversation when we talk about the ways that you can see this documentary to make every effort to do so. You will be so moved by the stories and the interviews that Elon and Tom have done. Uh, it, it's, it's just mind-boggling. So that as a backdrop, the inspiration I'd like you to share with us, Elon, when, when this crossed your path for the first time, what inspired you to say, okay, whatever else is on my table, wherever else it is that I could be spending my time and energy, I'm going to redirect it. And this is what I have to pursue. What, what was happening in your life and, and why did you get so inspired to take on? It's a huge topic. It's highly controversial. Why did you decide to throw your life into this? Well, you know, it's such an interesting question. And sometimes it wasn't so much a decision. It, it was something that I, I didn't have to make the decision. The decision was made for me. It, it seemed like a no-brainer. It's one of those things, well, of course this is something I have to tackle. Of course, I'm, if I'm this disconnected to the topic, others must be as well. And since I'm someone who's so plugged in when it comes to issue, political issues and someone who's so plugged in when it comes to these sort of ideas, what are other people who are not think, going about their daily life not thinking about these things, and what don't I know already? And what happened was, in April 2012, someone who had declined to invest as, a, as an executive producer of one of my previous films started sending us articles and sent us an article by Nicholas Kristof, which is at the top of our film, uh, called A Veteran's Death, A Nation's Shame. And that was the catalyst for Tom and I to come up with a basic blueprint, a basic exoskeleton, so to speak, of what a film about this topic could be about. And initially it was about our disconnect, how we are not connected 
and as a result of our disconnect from those who serve in the military as, as normal citizens, um, those who serve in our disconnect, that's creating a problem. And it's certainly creating a problem with reintegration. It's creating a problem with how they're treated when they return home. And that was our basic premise. We ended up going much, much deeper and finding out much more critical and crisis, things that were just absolutely critical that we weren't aware of. And that became the basis for the film. And we, we set off on this adventure around the country. And we went to 54 cities. We interviewed 275 people, as I think I said earlier. And it wasn't until we had been shooting for eight months that we discovered Mark Russell, who you mentioned a little bit earlier, and we discovered that his work, it was by accident. We were already on our way to go see someone else, and he was on the docket to potentially interview. We said, oh, well, let's see what he sent us, an email. And we opened up the email, and we realized he has something here. He, he has our, from a storytelling perspective, he has our third act. From the, from the issue at hand, he has what we thought a very real practical solution, which is what I wanted to achieve in the film and what Tom wanted to achieve in the film. This notion that we can make a film that can address a problem. There's a lot of documentaries that address problems, but there aren't so many that can apply practical solutions, real-world solutions that can be a catalyst for change, that can, uh, that can address a systemic problem and say, well, these are the solutions to either curb that systemic issue, change that systemic issue, or eradicate it. And the idea of going after that thing, something so elusive that we didn't know existed, but the idea that it might exist was enough to propel us on the adventure. So I think anybody listening can hear the amount of passion in your voice about this. It's easy for me because I am a military veteran. And like I said in the beginning, I think we all have an obligation to give back and to help in any way, shape or form. That's not your background. As you said, you felt a disconnect between what is happening with these veterans uh, and, and their homecoming and what we're doing. It's just not your background. It's not your family's background. So why the passion? Why specifically for you did you personally say, I have to do this? I think ultimately when I spoke earlier that my dream was to be in politics, my dream was about social justice. Social justice was always the most important thing to me when it came to being um, someone in public service. And to me, this is a simple matter of social justice, or an injustice, so to speak. These veterans who are putting their lives, these military professionals who are putting their lives on the line for us over and over again, through stop loss, through repeated tours of duty, through these wars in far off distant lands, there's an injustice that happens when they come back. They're not paid attention to. But, and that was, in, and they're not reintegrated. There's not enough done to reintegrate them and to help them. But beyond that, what we discovered is that the accountability doesn't have to lie once where they come back, the accountability needs to happen at the beginning, when they first enter into the military. And there needs to be someone at the head, someone at the top, someone who's accountable for all mental health in the military, so that there's a plan of action when we go to war. So there's a plan of action in peacetime, so that people are educated and understand what happens from sustained state of alertness, from sustained um, trauma, from sustained ex exposure. And they need to know that's what they're going into, so that when the signs happen, they know how to deal with it. It needs to, the stigma needs to be drastically reduced and it, it, people need to understand that this is a natural reaction to an unnatural act and that, that these are normal things that they don't have to toughen up or put up a stiff upper lip, that these are things that need to be dealt with and that they're part of, they are part of military service, not something that happens when military service goes wrong. Uh, and unless it's addressed early enough, you're going to have these incredible consequences that are, that, are better, that, that is 22 a day of people committing suicide. But beyond that, Drug addiction, drug abuse, families falling apart, disemployment. I mean, you name the maladies that result as, as a result of PTSD and the other forms of mental health problems in the military. And, you know, the consequences are intense and immense. 
No, I couldn't agree more. And I want to expand on a comment you just made about the current statistic being 22 a day. It's it's really very nearly one an hour. And and the, the stark fact that I, I hope that most people realize that we have now lost more servicemen uh, to suicide, servicemen and women for that matter, to suicide than we have in fighting the war itself. And that's staggering. And quite frankly, it's completely unacceptable. And if all of our money, and I understand that there's, you know, currently a, a, a much bigger uh, effort being made out there by Congress and the funds that are going toward what we can do to help uh, remedy not only the prevention of suicide, but a lot more attention paid to these uh, servicemen and women when they are transitioning back to what one consider normal or certainly civilian life. And like I said, every every person out there can somehow, some way make a difference, e even if it's going and getting that iris training uh, in Yoga Nidra to help in your community in the dealing with PTSD. There's nobody that this doesn't touch. This is so huge and so rampant, and I don't even think we are at the highest level of it yet. I think that still is yet to come. If we all aren't doing our part and taking ownership of this, or we have an expectation that somebody else is going to handle it or somebody else is going to fix it, the reality is it's not going to go away and that's not the solution. We all have to do our part somewhere. Mental illness in this country is its own tragedy. But when you look at something that not only do we own, we, we are sending folks over to fight wars at 18 years old, seeing atrocities they should never be witness to see at one, two, and three tours of duty. That's also unheard of in our uh, history at wartime is sending people back for multiple tours in the worst uh, of areas that they could ever face combat in. And then we have the expectation that they're just going to come home, leave the service, and a week later have a job at a bank and not have anything go haywire. It's absolutely insane to me. And again, to do nothing about it or to, to send people off to war with no plan uh, at all is, it's just, it's beyond appalling to me. So I can't be a bigger supporter of this film and the work that you're doing. It's absolutely huge. You can tell it. You know, I kind of go off the rails with it, but it is. It's a huge topic to me as well and uh, and a huge commitment for me to do whatever I can personally do to help support as well. So back to you and uh, and uh, where you are in your journey and what you're doing. Tell us now about the next year of what your year or so of your life, what that's going to look like, uh, about getting this film out, getting the word out. And if anybody's out there saying, well, boy, for starters, I'd love to see this documentary so I can start to really understand what this problem is and where I can fit into its solution. Where can people find this, uh, say, over the next year, year and a half before it winds up being uh, an actual uh, public release? Sure. Well, it's a very good question. And to be honest, we don't have a, a roadmap quite yet. The reason is because I, I make these documentaries with our uh, partners and sometimes with foundations on spec, meaning that we make them knowing that we have this path and this plan and then we have to sell it. So um, we are premiering our film. The world premiere of our film is November 13th um, in New York City at Doc NYC. And from there, we are going to spend the next year rolling the film out in very practical ways to spread the word, not only about the film and raise awareness about the film, but also some of the things that we're talking about, some of the issues that we're addressing and some of the practical solutions that we're addressing. Um, so to that end, um, the film will start to be available um, in screenings around the country, whether it be near military bases, near military installations, veterans communities, military communities, veteran service organizations who are interested in hosting the film will be getting it out that way. And then ultimately sometime next year, the film will have a proper release, probably both theatrical and on a broadcast channel 
but it hasn't been determined yet. Got it. But but if history is, is to be judged accordingly, our last films have all successfully been distributed theatrically and places like HBO. So we were hoping hoping for a very similar trajectory. We expect similar trajectory. Perfect. Excellent. Well, everybody, uh, let me just jump into this. If people do want to just stay in touch as to what the release is going to look like or where you're at with the film, is there a website or is there a place that people can just kind of tap into to, to see sure. what the future is? Well, we're, we're building a large social media presence right now. You can go to thankyouforyourservicethemovie.com to read more about the film. Uh, and you can also go to bhcnow.com, which is a nonprofit being set up to advocate and create awareness around some of the issues in the film. Perfect. Excellent. Well, I hope everybody uh, is highly encouraged to do just that. Uh, like I said, this is a documentary. I know there's a lot out there about the military. This one is very unique. It's not like anything I've seen before, and it definitely will get your attention. Whether or not you have a military background or even know anybody who does, uh, this is a documentary that you absolutely do not want to miss. So as we as we tie things up here, Elon, uh, as you know, you're on the Game Changer podcast. So I like to wrap things up asking some questions so that people can get an understanding of how a game changer thinks and what that mindset is. So for you, uh, one one question that I wanted to ask you is who has been a game changer in your life? Who's made a significant difference that has impacted you to get you where you are now? Well, um, I don't have um, mentors, so to speak, but I had a, a very good friend in college who was my best friend in school, and unfortunately, he passed away 10 years ago. But uh, he died of uh, stomach cancer, unfortunately. But the thing about him that I remember that I take with me is that he was someone who I felt um, was the ultimate game changer. So when I ask myself, when I have doubts, and when I have concerns about what I'm doing, the path I'm taking, I always ask myself, what would this friend do? He was someone that I knew that lived life almost without fear, with such fortitude and certitude, it was inspiring. Um, and he was a leader. And he was one of the few people I ever truly followed and felt that I would follow. And so as myself, in my attempt to be a leader, uh, and my attempt to try and, and, and go through uncharted territory and go down certain paths, I always ask myself, what would this friend of mine do? And so I, I sort of look to him and I look to that memory of him in a sense to sort of help define it whenever I have those moments that steals my resolve. And that certainly that, that's what I look to. Excellent. So you're walking into my next question perfectly. So if somebody wants to be a game changer, somebody is truly inspired and they want to make a difference, what is the best single piece of advice that you would give them? Um, perseverance. I mean, to me, it's the idea of just never, never give up. Uh, you need to be unflappable. You need, in my opinion, personally, it's this idea that I, I just believe that I'm going to do it. I have this belief. And even when I fail, I still believe it. And I just need to keep persevering. It's the only thing. I've, I've had multiple businesses that may not have worked out. I've had films that haven't worked out. But all of that stuff, to me, it's, it's just about persevering. And, and you just got to keep showing up. Well, here's what's uh, unique about what you just said. You used the word unflappable, which is the exact word I used when I was talking to Richard Miller. And then you also said about just showing up, which is how William Rodriguez closed out the last podcast last week. So definitely in great alignment with uh, some great thinkers and some great people that, uh, you know, you have an awful lot in common with. So uh, I, I found William that very interesting. William is a hero of mine. So if he said it, I'll, I'll take it. To <laughs> he is uh, mine as well. So I couldn't agree more. Last question for you. Based on everything you have learned up till now in life, what is one thing that you absolutely 
believe to be true? Um, for me, it's, it's, I couldn't have a simpler answer. The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All right. Well, well said. And I, I can't imagine closing on a more important note considering what you are doing for others right now through this documentary and through your passion and in bringing this forward is truly a gift to so many and I know for a fact will make a difference in the way we view and see PTSD in our role in it and more importantly in what we all collectively can do to better the situation for all of those folks that are currently struggling. So with that, I appreciate your time and your energy and your passion more than I can say. And uh, I look forward to following your journey. And like I said, I will support this effort and I hope everybody listening does the same. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you next time.